Father Almighty, you are our faithful friend. And we come to you today because we have seen what the world has to offer. We have tasted and it has left us hungry. And so, Father, we come to you today asking that you might feed us with your word, that you might strengthen us in faith, that we might have the courage and the wisdom and the peace to follow you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this year I will celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary by the grace of God. And so we've begun to consider how perhaps we might celebrate that anniversary when we've looked at taking trips to a variety of locations and have begun the process of investigating those. But in my research, I came across something called a mystery destination vacation. Have you heard of this? It's where you allow the travel agent to make all the decisions for you. In fact, you don't find out where you are going until you arrive at the airport. Now, I shared this with my wife, and she said, that sounds pretty good. I mean, think about it. You don't have to do all the arrangements. You don't have to research those hotels. Is the picture really representative of what it's really like? And figure all that out. You just let someone else make all those decisions. But of course, you give up control over exactly where you're staying and where you're going, and that makes me a little nervous. But you know, in our gospel reading today, that's exactly what Jesus offers, an extreme version of the mystery destination vacation. He comes to Peter, he comes to Andrew, to James and John, and he simply says, follow me. Perhaps you're like me. If I were there, I'd like to think the Spirit would move me to respond positively to that call. But I'm afraid, if I'm honest, I'd have to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, I have some questions. Questions like, where are we going? How much will it cost? What's on the itinerary? What are we going to be doing as we follow you? Well, fortunately for us, those first followers who had none of those questions answered and yet followed him still, they took some notes. They wrote down their experiences, and those have been preserved for us today. That is, today we hear the call to follow Jesus. We have some answers as to where we're going, how much it costs, and what's on the itinerary. And so it's those three questions we'll attempt to answer this morning as we hear Jesus' call to follow him. First question, where are we going? Quite simply, we're going home. Now that seems a little odd because most of us take trips to leave home. But the trip we take with Jesus and following him actually leads to our true home. For you see, the reality is, ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the Garden of Eden and were cast out of the garden, we have been homeless wanderers ever since. The Garden of Eden is what we were created to live in. That was to be our home. It was a place of infinite beauty and goodness and truth and peace. Peace with God. Peace with one another. Peace within ourselves, peace with all creation. And yet Adam's sin left us cast out of the Garden of Eden 
the home that God had created for us and has left us homeless wanderers. And so it's to us homeless wanderers, Jesus comes and says, follow me, follow me. He says, I am going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm preparing one for you, and you will join me there. In Revelation 21, he gives us a more explicit picture of what that will be like. He says, a new heaven and a new earth will come down. The dwelling place of God will be with man. He will wipe away every tear, every hurt, every pain, every sorrow. We will be in the presence of God forever, filled with peace and joy. So where are we going? We're going home. We're going to our true home that God desired for us to live in all our lives. But we have to give another answer to that question. For the way home leads by way of the cross. To follow Jesus is to go to the cross. Jesus was honest about this with his disciples. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things. He must be rejected and killed, and after three days, rise from the dead. Then he says this to those who would follow. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The truth is, we would love to go back to the Garden of Eden to seek to regain entry to what was lost, or perhaps fast forward to the new heavens and the new earth. But the reality is sin must be dealt with first, and sin can only be dealt with at the cross. Martin Luther King Jr. reminds us Christianity has always insisted that the cross we bear precedes the crown we wear, and so to the cross we must go. For that is where Jesus went, and that's where we will go if we follow him. For it's at the cross that Jesus atones for our sin. It's at the cross and his resurrection that Jesus overcomes the penalty of our sin, death. It's at the cross that Jesus gives his life that we might live eternally with him. So where are we going? We're going home by way of the cross. But our second question, how much will it cost? The good news is it costs you nothing. The offer is made free of charge. All are welcome, regardless of your ability to pay, regardless of your past, your reputation, regardless of how many good works you think you've accumulated up to this point in your life. It's a free offer of salvation to all. Come and follow him. The Lord describes it, Isaiah 55, where he pictures his banquet table and invites us to come. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The offer is free. It's free. And yet, at the very same time, we must also acknowledge, what does it cost to follow Jesus? It costs everything. Jesus describes this in Luke 14 where he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What's it cost? On one hand, it costs you nothing. But on the other hand, it costs you everything. There will be no equals. There will be no partners with Jesus. It is him and him alone that we give priority when we say we will follow him. And the reality is this is the end of the road for many people. This is where people depart from following Christ. When they recognize that despite their best efforts to pull Jesus down the road they want to go on, to have Jesus do for them the things that they would have him do for them, that Jesus does not follow our lead. It is his way and his way alone that he will walk, and he invites us to follow free of charge. But if we follow, it will mean placing every other relationship secondary to him. It will mean placing every possession, every position, every title, everything that we value second to him. The, we, when we follow Jesus, we do not follow a democratically elected representative who caters to our whims and our wishes. We follow the King of Kings. And the only appropriate response would be to bend our knee in submission to him. What's it cost? It costs nothing, and it costs everything. But our last question, what's on the itinerary? What will we do as we follow him? We know we are going home by way of the cross, but what will we do along the way. The New Testament says much about this. I'll just briefly comment on three items on the itinerary. Item number one is love. Love. We will learn to love as we have been loved. When Jesus was asked what the greatest law was, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. The highest priority that fulfills and summarizes the entire law is love. And it's at this point we begin to see how the cost can be both nothing and everything. For you see, love has been defined as simply willing the good for another. And Jesus' love for you moved him to come to you. Jesus does not stand far off waiting for you to get your act together as if you could, waiting for you to come to him, but he comes to you. His love compels him to meet you right where you are, to accept you right where you are, as you are right now, this morning, at this moment. His love is so great, he comes to you. And yet his love is greater still. His love is greater still. His love is so great for you, he will not leave you where you are. For if he loves you by willing good for you, his will for you is that you might be set free from the sins that dog you. You might be healed from the hurts that haunt you. That you might deliver, be delivered from hoping in anything in this life to provide you lasting joy. And so Jesus calls you to follow him, and as you follow, out of love begins the work of transforming you. That's item number two in our itinerary, that Jesus will transform you along the way. Now look, the work won't be completed 
until we see him face to face. But make no mistake, the work begins now. His love that loves you where you are loves you too much to leave you there. And so he goes to work transforming you to make you like him. Now, unfortunately, too many people hear this talk of being transformed, being made like Jesus, and they hear it as a DIY project, right? A do-it-yourself project. And too many Christians believe that somehow walking with Jesus and following him means I need to get busy with as many church activities as I can. And I need to pay attention in how I'm doing in terms of my progress in becoming more like Jesus. But that's not how his first followers described it. Listen to one of them, Paul, what he says in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord, looking to the Lord, following the Lord, setting our eyes on him as he leads. He says we are being transformed into the same image. So as we behold the Lord, as we follow him, Something is being done to us. We are being transformed. Now, note, it's not we are transforming ourselves, but something outside of us is transforming us. And he says this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's the Spirit working through the Word that brings about the transformation, the renovation, and the restoration of our lives as we follow him. I suspect many of you have had a similar experience to one of my friends, Jimmy. He tells a story of growing up in his household of how his mom would drive him crazy. He says, every morning she would say to me, did you remember to get your lunch? Did you remember to pack your homework? Do you remember when I pick you up today? And it was, do you remember, do you remember, do you remember? On and on and on and on and on. And Jesus said, it just drove me crazy. And so, so at some point he said, I will never say this to my kids. Anyone said that? You know where this is going. Jimmy grew up, got married, had kids, and on the first day of kindergarten, his son gets in the car and he says, son, did you remember? And before he can finish the sentence, he's thrown back into his own childhood and his own mom's voice is there and he's wondering where did that come from? But that's what happens, isn't it? When we behold, when we follow even our parents, even if we're not trying, even if we're intentionally trying not to pick up, we're being transformed. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That as we look to him, not to ourselves measuring our progress, but as we look to him, the Spirit begins to work him into us. So on the itinerary is love, it's transformation, but there's a third item, it's joy. This is important. This is so important because if you're taking a journey that costs you everything, if you're taking a journey that's going to take you through the cross, there will be trials, there will be suffering, there may be persecution. And yet the testimony of those early followers again and again and again is that in the midst of those trials, in the midst of those sufferings, there was also joy. Listen to how Peter, one of his followers, describes it. He's writing to people who are enduring persecution for their faith. 
He says, though you do not see Jesus now, but you believe in him, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Following Jesus provides a joy that cannot be explained, that cannot be found anywhere in this world. It's the joy of knowing your sins are forgiven. It's the joy of having the assurance that yes, indeed, the waters of baptism passed over you and that by his word, it was announced that yes, indeed, the forgiveness is for you. It's the joy of knowing that this life is not all, but in fact, an eternity lies ahead, an eternity as we've already discussed, in which we are at peace with God and one another and all of life. It's the joy of knowing that there is a greater story that Jesus invites us into, a story greater than our lives and during this time on earth, but it's a part of a, a cosmic story that Jesus is carrying out to redeem and deliver a people safely home with him. Where are we going? We're going home by way of the cross. What's it cost? It's free, and yet it costs everything. What's on the itinerary? Love, transformation, and joy. And this call of Jesus to follow is a call that is still true today. In fact, every day when you wake up, you're called. You're called to follow him. And when you wake up on those days knowing that you haven't followed him for a while or that you followed him poorly, in fact, that you may have run the opposite way the day before, the call stands. Because Jesus went to the cross for you, the call stands to follow him remains. And so the only, the only decision is will you do it? Will you respond in faith by the power of the Spirit, knowing in your weakness and your stumbling and your inability, the call stands. Jesus says, follow me, and I will lead you home to your eternal home where there is peace and joy forever. Let's pray. Father, you have gifted us with gifts that are beyond words. You have gifted us with a Savior you have gifted us with an eternal home. Father, in your mercy, would you continue to gift us with the faith to grasp those great gifts you have delivered to us. Father, strengthen us so that when the roads take unexpected turns, when there are trials, when there are difficulties, that we might not waver, but continue down the road following you and trusting our lives into the hands of those who took the nails for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.